0: The show, the establishment warned you about. And welcome back to the Dr. Tommy Show. I am here with my special guest, Dr. David Beefy. And before we get to that, though, we want to tell you about our wonderful sponsor, Atlas MD. Atlas MD is the preeminent medical software for membership medicine practices, whether that is your direct primary care or concierge medicine practice. <clears throat> Do yourself a favor. Go to Dr. Tommy Show, drtommyshow.com and click on Special Offer for Atlas MD. If you are a concierge or direct primary care doctor, and then find out how you can start saving time, effort, and also pleasing your patients, and at the same time, save $600 off the cover price by getting it free for two months. And as I said, I'm here with my uh, good friend, Dr. David Beefy, who is a local urologist in Tampa.
1: Yeah, Tampa, uh, at least a Tampa suburb. We're in Hudson and Brooksville, right. about 35 minutes north of here where your office is in Lutz. Uh, Suncoast Urology is our group. There's four of us up there.
0: And they do a good job with our patients. We send them there and they get taken care of, whether it's Dr. Beethy or one of his partners. Pronto. Anytime. You'll i will cover everything. Uh, we cover You're everything. Logically. Yeah, you know, and it's easy to get somebody in. What's one more patient? That's kind of my motto. What's one more patient? And then, you know, we, we try to make sure that the patients go to somewhere where they can not only be seen in a timely fashion, but also uh, seen by someone who's going to take the time to explain to them what their needs are. And that's one thing is that we struggle with in medicine is finding doctors who will take the time to talk to a patient. Sure. Well, it's getting harder
1: and harder. There's more requirements on you, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm faulty for uh, taking too much time. That's probably what puts me behind in clinics sometimes. I think my manager has to come in and say, "Hey, you got to go." I know you're talking about their crews, but uh, yeah, you, you got to get to going. But anyhow, we have co- we have complex uh, problems, and and uh, folks are generally a little bit older in our practice. I think the average age on any given day that I see is about 72. And so it takes a little bit of time to kind of explain what's going on, uh, what
0: kind of procedure's gonna uh, be taking place to help them out. I remember when we were in medical school, you and I both operated with one of the local doctors in Lakeland, Doctor Wilson. And that was seemed like not that long ago, but it was actually a long time ago. I guess it was somewhat
1: That had to been about two thousand years ago. I said it was about two thousand five, two thousand four, yeah. two thousand five. And uh, that is the sole purpose, purpose or reason that I got neurology is meeting him and his personality. In fact, I actually have interviewed with his group twice before I landed in my current position. Uh, once before I decided to go on to fellowship at Mavacan Center. And then again, coming out of fellowship. And uh, it just seemed like it was better for my family to end up here in
0: Hudson and Brooksville, where I could be close to my grandparents and I folks. Remember, but Wilson was great. I remember people were saying, I was saying, well, I think about doing neurology, and Then people say, what do you want to be around penises all day. and made me second guess myself. Yeah. You, you know, everyone says that, but I would guess that
1: bladders, pe- kidneys, I would guess that 50% or recurrence. more of my, my patients are women. Yeah. Cause everyone's got kidneys. Everyone's got a bladder. Everyone's got ureter. Everyone gets kidney stones. Mm-hmm. Um, women are probably uh, well, not probably are a, a lot more prone to have uh, urinary leakage,
0: whether it be urge incontinence or stress incontinence. So I get a lot of women. Yeah. What about um, you're in private practice now? Tell us, what is the biggest thing that you see as far as professionally kind of challenges for you? We were talking before the show about MIPS. What is MIPS? That's a good question. What the hell is MIPS? Well, it's an acronym. And to, to go into the details, I, I,
1: I didn't go into that with my hour and a half meeting with my rep today. But um, a MIPS is effectively a quality measure. I have to document six quality measures in order not to be uh penalized next year in my medicare reimbursement Uh, now you don't have to really worry about that here but in private practice where i take insurance i have to worry about that it's two percent right i think it's four percent four now yep four and seven depending on how big an offender you are and um and so i have to take every step to i can or every step i can to get through
0: that these these quality measures are things that are going to change the lives of your patients true or false Probably not, not in my
1: practice. Um, they're geared towards primary care. And so a lot of them are like, did I manage their blood pressure? And if I just click the uh, box referred to primary care, since that's a primary care issue, not a urologic, I meet the criteria, but I still have to go take the time to ask it, document it, and then document that I sent them. Uh, also, uh, uh, BMI is a measure. Um, so these checking are, check in meds is a measure that one's easy because we do it anyway yeah um there there's some measures like checking urgent for uh presence of urge urinary incontinence and in document a plan well i do that in my plan yeah. under my cpt code which is diagnosis code and then i actually take the time to type a written note but i have to go to another place in the chart here and document it as well
0: now so to the outside observer people would say well that's not a big deal mm-hmm. i mean i mean this is this is things that the government's done because they found that doctors probably aren't doing a good job And now some smart people in Washington, D.C. have have found, you know, these doctors are negligent. Now we're just trying to tidy things up. And it's not that big a hassle of doctors. And if you hear anything about that, it's just these doctors are just complaining.
1: Well, I, I don't know. To say it's first to say it's not a big deal. I don't know that that's true. So I see, oh, maybe 25 patients a day in the office, plus whatever comes through the hospital urgently. And uh I can usually get through those in a normal work day but what i can't get through is the 25 phone calls that i get the 25 lab values that i got to go through and then i write my notes from about 10 to midnight every night uh and those aren't really billable hours those are just me doing document and uh to meet the requirements my note gets about two or three times as long mm-hmm. uh with respect to documentation time yeah. so it is it is a big deal does it help quality measures i i don't know um you know i operate. For a living in, there's nobody there right grading my operation sure. which is probably the biggest part of my practice but they're grading my my paperwork right um I, you know i don't i don't know they're even thinking about doing away with it here in a year or two i hear
0: well i think mips is one of the things that it's one of the things in government that you always hear is there's good intentions and there's a road famous road that's paved with good intentions and when you hear people talk about MIPS and MACRA and all these other various different acronyms, I think, I, think, and I don't know if it's for sure, that there are doctors out there listening perhaps who think that these are good things and these are going to help us. Now, I also think there's people who are consultants uh, who get paid to make doctors uh, learn how to do this, to design software so doctors can do this, who also get uh, paid to, to uh, make sure that, you know, practices implement these things and then get money paid upon how well the doc practice is implemented. And I think that's the major driving force is, is the the data collection community and the uh, IT community who benefit greatly by having all these different hurdles that you say, like you said, are not operating or are, are not, you know, all these things that are not having to do with you as a physician operating with a patient or dictator uh dealing with a patient but these all these extraneous details that people can come by and and then collect all this data and manage it and do all these things i think those people well they're just they're just benefit. picking
1: measures that are objective okay Ob- objective and, and easy to document meaning there are real numbers that assign to that yes no or this is your weight there's blood pressure but uh medicine's not really yes no um and it's none of those
0: measures look at outcomes but what are you going to do, right? As, I mean, that until someone comes into Washington who designed some other system, then you're just basically, as a private physician, like you said, who takes insurance, like most physicians have to, you're stuck. You're stuck just dealing with it and hoping for the best. Well, I could. I guess I could say I don't want to take
1: Medicare, um, but Medicare is probably the biggest payer in my practice. Right.
0: Well, the problem with that is, is you know, patients, patients said, well, uh, you know, patients medicare is there for old for older people and then uh if it wasn't medicare is popular is what people say medicare is popular well i can tell you medicare is about the only game in town for old people because the government has effectively carved out a monopoly for providing insurance quote unquote for elderly people by having medicare and medicare advantage so if you're you know you want to do an insurance uh, program for people who are older let's say that's not medicare well, they're facing an uphill battle because they're going to have to uh, say, well, look, I'm going to forego all my uh, money that I paid into Medicare. And then I'm going to also, uh, you know, and then you're going to face an uphill battle because it's not allowed. I, I mean, I don't know that there's so many different regulations that are tied to Medicare. For instance, if you are, are taking Social Security, then you have to take Medicare as a, as a person. You know, I don't even know. I don't know that there are regulations
1: about that. That may be true, but that you sure could have a third party insurance.
0: Some of these people have VA insurance. Yeah, some Tricare. have VA, but Tricare, but they're all government. Mm-hmm. There's no private alternative other than Medicare HMOs. I think some are- of the unions, uh, railroads, I okay. believe. But uh, a as far as like someone who can go out, like let's say my father is 70, near 70 now. He, he is on Medicare and there is no marketplace for him to go out and buy insurance. That doesn't make the doctor do all these hoops to jump through at this point.
1: Well, the hoops change. Uh, there are Medicare replacement plans, uh, by HMO. So there's managed yeah. care. That's big. Which are or, Medicare
0: payments to the insurance company then to provide benefits to the, to the patient. Y- yes. So they get so, money from the government and they say, okay, like if you and I wanted to start one, we could start one and say, you know, a USF health alumni, uh, Advantage plan, and then we take the money from the government, and then we take care of the patients. Well, but but then so you still kn- the money come from the government. But
1: then you know what our goal is: make money. Yeah. So to spend problem. to spend as little as that money as possible. To, yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, anyhow, I don't know if that's a good measure either.
0: Well, I I think the 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 upshot of this is is that if there was more freedom on your part as a physician to uh not do mips and not face a financial penalty then you'd actually have more time to spend with your patients would that be a fair assessment
1: i push for a free market meaning uh right now i think medicare is price fixing i mean if you're good or you're bad as long as you do your paperwork well right you're gonna you're gonna do fine right uh so there's kind of a race to the bottom to do the bare minimum for patient care so tell me about the same reimbursement Well, um, if you're good at your paperwork, uh, regardless of bedside manner, outcomes, whatnot, um, you get reimbursed the same because you can charge Medicare whatever you want. You can charge, a lot of people will charge three times Medicare. Mm -hmm. Um, You're only gonna get paid what Medicare pays. Um, And so everyone effectively charges the same and pays the same whether you're well respected with your community or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, So effectively that kind of, takes away some incentive to be to the do best. It'd be, right. it'd be better maybe if if you could charge whatever you want and let the market drive what the price is. Well, Just like, uh, I don't know, lawn service,
0: you know, cleaners. There's a good example. There's a restaurant I used to go to do in New York City. It was called Il Sputino, and they used to have this very good New York pizza. It's thick. It had eggplant in it. If you wanted it, it, had big pieces of sausage. Anyway, I went there one year to try to get it. And then they said they stopped selling pizza. And why did they stop selling pizza? They said, well, all the competition around them was selling frozen pizza. And they were selling it for a price of like $10, $15 or, or whatever the price was for a pizza. Anyway, it was similar to what they were charging for their really good pizza. And they said, basically, look, if everyone's going to sell this pizza and people are going to buy this as New York pizza, we can't provide our service as a superior level of pizza because we're going to have to charge so much more because these people are charging the same amount as we charge for our pizza with this frozen pizza but they flooded the market with it so people would not be able to find this one little restaurant that makes really good pizza because there's so much frozen pizza so back to your point about medicare doctors you know it could be that there's a lot of doctors out there who are who are doing a good job but there could be some doctors that are just kind of doing whatever they have to do to get by and then uh, there is no real incentive to do it. I mean, unless you want to do it for your own patients. But you're right. There's like a race to the bottom. To just just do a, whatever it takes. Get get your payment and go about your day.
1: Yeah. I don't know if we're going to figure this out. I think a free market would help. I don't know how you do that. Um, I know people are short on funds. Um, and uh, and some would argue that doctors would never get paid if there wasn't Medicare because no one saves Money. That's why they take your taxes out of your paycheck, right? Yeah. Because no one saved money for the end of the year to pay your taxes at the end, so they withhold them so that you didn't go out and blow that money. So anyhow, same with healthcare. So if it was a private market and you didn't have Medicare, chances are you would spend that money and then you would get ill. So the and not have any money. So, so the
0: question is: is you know is that true or not? And then I would say. Well, what was before Medicare? Were people dying in the streets before Medicare? Were old people simply put out the pasture, uh, given euthanasia pills, maybe even just left in uh, their homes to to suffer and dehydrate and die before Medicare in the 60s? No, no, they weren't. But what happened was there was more money left out of the government's hands for people to do as they wish. Whether well, it's um, by um, you know, private insurance, but the truth is, matters that insurance until until very recently, at least until after World War II, was not even used for health care. Insurance was something that people, some people had, but most of most of medical care, as you and I both know, was not paid for with insurance. It was paid for people's money. And then, uh, you know, even my grandfather, um, had a child, unfortunately had a heart disease, a heart, heart valve problem. And so my grandfather was a, uh, work for the mines. He was work for the, or the IMC phosphate at that time. I think it was called IMC, down here in Florida and his wife, my grandmother was a school teacher. Well, their son unfortunately had a heart problem and they were able to take him to Johns Hopkins hospital and, pay for him to have heart surgery at Johns Hopkins hospital a preeminent, uh, hospital in, in the fifties at that time doing heart surgery. And, uh, they didn't, they didn't do it for free. I mean, they, they paid for it. They didn't have insurance. And so these are some of the things that Medicare has allowed is the distortion of the market to where, uh, there is so much expense now that um there's so much expense that has been built into the system through things like medicare and third-party payments that it is unaffordable for medical care i mean you couldn't afford to even provide the medical care that you would want to in a free in a in a free market if we were to just turn over right now in this system now you you want to hear something funny talk about affordability
1: all you out there have deductibles on your cat scans a lot of times if you pay cash for that CAT scan, at least in my neck of the woods, mm-hmm. if you pay cash, about $100 gets you a CT or a gram, something I order a lot, CT abdomen, pelvis with delays. Uh, the deductible is usually about
0: $300. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, We talk about this all the time on, you know, people I follow on Twitter is, you know, you can either pay, uh, you can use your insurance and get the network, in-network benefit for your MRI and pay $2,000. Or you can take money out of your uh, a bank account, and go down to the local uh, radiology center and get one for three hundred something dollars,
1: cash. Problem with it is it doesn't apply towards your out of pocket for the right. year,
0: and so people are locked into this cycle of trying to always uh, get this beast off their back, which is their deductible. Uh
1: you know, I, I doubt I doubt most people are meeting their deductibles anymore. I don't know. We my, met uh, our my deducti- out of cash. My, I think my out of pocket max for my family is maybe twelve thousand
0: now. We met ours this year because. Uh, we had a baby, yeah. So we met six thousand dollars, and this is just for Tracy now. Tracy had a deductible of six thousand dollars, and we planned it perfectly that by the time that we started paying, very shortly after that, she got married, she got pregnant, and so it was that it was so that you know we knew going into it that we were going to have to pay. We did the math between premiums and deductibles. We were going to have to pay. About what it cost would be because we contacted the hospital and the physician to have a uncomplicated cesarean delivery the reason we went with insurance was for the insurance reason which is what all insurance should be for in case there's some unexpected cost catastrophic right so let's say god forbid something happened in the hospital had to stay more days sure had to go to NICU that's why we went with the insurance plan. but otherwise the cost would have been the same which was roughly twelve thousand dollars or something I will tell you one thing, though. We did get an ultrasound that turned out to be uh, we paid $1,300 out of pocket uh, for that ultrasound for the baby, and the insurance paid on their end. I think they paid, um, I forget how much, but it was a very expensive ultrasound. And back to our point, if that was done with cash, it would probably be a lot less. That
1: said, as um, an employee of the University of South Florida when I was a fellow, I had, a, we had a baby, my wife and I, Valerie and I had a baby and it cost us $100 out of pocket.
0: A hundred dollars. <laughs> dollars. That's. And, Thank
1: you, USF. That was uh, fantastic. And that yeah. was what it was. Though. Those are pre-ACA days. What year was that? That was probably, uh, my son was born in, uh, what is he, six now? Yeah, it was 2012.
0: Okay. Well, either way, you were isolated from the ACA at that point because the USF is self-funded. Yes. And so, but yeah, you used to be able to have quote unquote good insurance where you wouldn't have to pay a fortune. Uh, There's there's so much to be said for a properly executed insurance plan. But what we have now is not affordable. And certainly if you're paying $366 a month like Tracy was, or we were for Tracy, and you have a $6,000 deductible, unless you knew they were going to have something expensive, which is hard to predict, like a cesarean delivery, I see zero reason to have that policy. Uh, no, I agree 100%. This year, though, next year, in 2019, end of this year, there's the mandate penalty becomes zero. Mandate is still on the books. The penalty itself becomes zero. There will be a... The penalty is p- not really a penalty. It, it's a tax. It's a fee. It's a... No. So you have to pay income, federal income
1: tax. 50% of America doesn't pay federal income tax. So 50% of Americans get a lawyer with no, insur- no health care insurance. There's no fee.
0: Or but, no I but yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely right. And that's what that's what Mitt Romney got pilloried so no... for, for saying that, which is the truth, that 48% of Americans who work do not pay federal income taxes. And he, he happened to say that at some closed... closed uh, uh, you know private event and then he just got hammered he never recovered from that because he wasn't able to even articulate the fact that it actually was true but yeah you're right so there, a lot of people do not pay the penalty I did pay the penalty one year and I paid the penalty one year but um, that goes away though the mandate goes away the penalty goes away uh, they did not for some reason remove the penalty from the books but they made the zero the penalty zero Starting in uh, after 12, uh, it's probably one, much it, easier it, to make a little
1: amendment to the to the bill uh, rather I than guess. to erase it. But, but
0: no. one good thing about that is you'll see a prolifer- pro- proliferation of short term plans that do not offer benefits that I don't need, such as medication payment. I don't want that. I don't want payment for doctor visits. I don't want payment for medications. I just want payment for my needs above, let's say, hospitalization, right, trauma. and That's what a short term policy will allow legally.
1: So tell me months. about short-term po- term policies, because I'm not real familiar okay, with Okay, so
0: a short-term health policy is what you can buy now under the ACA for three months only. Okay. And a short-term policy does not have to abide by the ACA rules. So you can buy a policy that has a bunch of buzz and whistles, but you can also buy a policy that has very few things in what some of these politicians like Chuck Schumer call crap insurance, uh, junk insurance, because they don't pay for your doctor visit. They don't pay for your um, uh, prescriptions. They don't pay for your x-rays even. But a lot of people will want this because they would say, look, like you and I were both discussing, if I need an MRI, I'll go get one for $350. My medicines I can get for free heck, heck, at uh, Publix. Uh, $350 sport. is only one month premium, right. not even. Right, so these short-term policies do not have to abide by the ACA rules. So what happened was Donald Trump wrote an executive order Uh, recently that is supposed to take effect I think it's October 1st that says look not only are short-term policies uh, legal for greater than three months which is what they're limited to now by the ACA you can buy them for up to a year you can renew them for 36 months so this is this is basically telling insurance companies hey you're gonna have a bigger market now we're gonna give you more freedom it'd be like if you had people saying look you can sell popsicles but you're only be able to sell grape Or you're only able to sell them at Sam's Club like 100 at a time, but you can't sell three. Right. Now you're saying, look, anybody can sell popsicles. You can sell chocolate. You can sell grape. Have at it. And back to our free market. Boom. So you will see that come in 2019. That is bad news for some people who want the government in charge of everything because of the cudgel that you have as the government. When you're in charge of everything, you can then make people bend to your will and do the things like, uh, you know, once you have the uh, once the government's in charge of health insurance which is basically prepaid health plans they can become in charge of everything and that's what uh, this is biting against or fighting against well, we, we can't really do this uh, you know we have a huge
1: debt what are we how many trillions are we in debt 20 now? Twenty trillion. and uh, and now I, I heard Trump's new cut pl- uh, tax cut plan the while the economy is booming they're still like 80 billion short of the revenues they would have made last year because of the corporate tax cuts, so they paid uh, eighty billion less in taxes. Corporations did this year, so you know we are still in a deficit. So where are we going to pay for this? And then if we get Medicare for everyone, uh, that's a what did I see? Forty? I want to say forty-three billion dollars that would
0: cost. I believe. That's oh, we the did a we did a podcast on it last uh, last week. I think it was forty-three billion. There's a, and it's and a lot more money than we could confiscate. If we confiscated all the wealth, you got it. But I can tell you, back to your cut about the tax cuts. The tax cuts will have a lag effect because if if you get a tax cut, you're going to be able to spend more money in the economy, economy, which will actually, in the long run, generate more tax revenue.
1: I didn't personally get a tax cut. It probably hurt me in general, but
0: but not not the corporate tax cut. Yeah, but the uh, oh, I'm talking personally. Yeah, yeah, personal tax cuts. um, You did get a personal tax cut. Not really. Uh, You know, if
1: you play by the old rules, you maximize your mortgage, take your mortgage interest deduction, and they lowered that rate, so that that hurts. Um, And you know, the rules were set in place before. You know, uh, well, at least I was playing by the old rules, and they changed on us, so you know that doesn't work out. And uh, and personally, I I think it's it's actually gonna be hurtful, not beneficial. But I do think for you, yes.
0: Yeah, and there was some people that were injured by that because of the mortgage, like you said, the mortgage deduction. Because they said, if you can deduct your mortgage if it's this much, but if it's this much, you can't. Which is back to the class warfare type of thing because they're saying, look, we agree that mortgages should be deductible because it's your house, but only if it's your house and your house is not that cool. If you got a nice house, forget it. That's that's not. Good. So that's where the government gets in, involved in uh, playing favorites and making uh, judgments. About- Same with student loans. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can't deduct your student loans. You got it because I don't know why. Because you make too much. Yeah, why is that? I mean, what is that the, the idea of the government that got to do? Yeah, yeah, we're not
1: winning. I'm, we're not winning this one, that's for sure.
0: But we are going to uh, win it eventually if we both, uh, if we all keep a, keep an eye on the um, the government and make sure that people are more educated day into day about what is uh what is the real dangers of having a lack of a free market and and the in the free market will sort things out as far as price in the long run the lack of free market will always lead to shortages and like you said about medicare for all that would be the death knell for medicine in america well i think it'd be tough everyone doesn't have skin in the
1: game it's hard it's hard to have people kind of follow the lead or get you know follow the program if they don't have any skin of the game so to speak well, there's no
0: reason i mean if you if you if you know that no matter what your your health care is going to be paid for and you are of the inclination already not to take care of yourself then there's really no reason no incentive to continue to try to be healthy a lot of people try to be healthy so they can get off medications not only because they don't like medications but because they're expensive i did i did find out this i i, I right now have a humana plan a humana ppo plan
1: through my business and uh I can get a, I get a break uh, for checking into the gym every night. There you go. Yeah, I've never heard of this, but I just check in on my phone, and I get a break on my um, premium. So thanks, you man. I already go there.
0: Well, Dave, thank you for coming, Doctor oh. Beethy. What What is your uh, uh, office website so we can get in touch with you if people need to find out? SuncoastUrology.com suncaseurology.com yeah dr david bethe urologic oncologist here in brooksville if you're listening to this and you want to find out more about the dr tommy show go to DrTommyShow.com. if you want to find out more about our practice go to dr tommy, d-o-c-t-o-r tommy.com and uh we are going to close out with junior kimbrough this is meet me in the city thank you all for joining us until next time bye-bye